Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, Bright Church, my name is Gabe. I have the privilege of working at Open Doors, and I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm so encouraged to know that a church like yours is making sure that you're putting value on the global body of Christ in a time where, to be frank, it'd be, it'd be fair for you to focus on yourself. And so I'm so grateful for your pastors, Ben and Sarah. Big thank you to you, and I'm so excited to be with you. I want to take a quick moment to encourage anyone who, because of this crisis, might have lost your job or you might be sick, you might have loved ones that, who are sick. And I want to encourage you that just what we celebrated last week at Easter, remembering that our God wasn't too big to come to this world becoming human and dying on the cross for us. What I love about Jesus is that he understands us. He knows where we're at. He knows how we're feeling and he's right there with you. And so while we're celebrating that Jesus has defeated the power of evil, we're celebrating today that this virus doesn't have the bigger hand, that Jesus is in charge of this world and that we can have hope for the future. Today, I want to speak to you about um, having a determination to praise. So if you're taking notes, sitting on your couch, sipping your coffee, take out your notebook and write that title down, A Ruthless Determination to Praise. Let's pray um, before I start. Lord, we're so grateful to be meeting um, as a fellowship of believers. Lord, not being able to be in the same room, but be connected through the screens and being able to worship you together. We're so grateful for this opportunity and we ask that you would use my words, that you'd speak to us today, that you would change us, that you would encourage us and and really strengthen our faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. To begin with, I'd like for you to hear the story of Susan. Especially in a time like this, we're actually closer to the persecuted church than we've ever been before. Because you see around the world, the church is used to meet in small groups and houses or even forced into isolation. And so this story of Susan speaks so powerfully into the time we are in right now. Susan is a 14-year-old girl and one day she's in school and a traveling preacher is coming through. She hears the gospel for a couple of hours and full of joy becomes a Christian, gives her life to Jesus, runs home to her dad and at home is telling her dad what had happened, that she's a Christian now. Her dad wasn't amazed by that at all. In fact, he was furious. He grabbed her and her younger brother and pulled them into the middle of the village. There he put a knife to her throat and said, if you don't give up your faith, I'm going to kill you and your younger brother. She looked at her dad and said, there's no way I can give up my faith in Jesus, the Jesus who died for me. Luckily, he doesn't kill Susan there. He drags both her and her brother back into the house. But you see, he cleans out a room in the house, puts a mat on the floor and says, Susan, you stay on this mat until you're ready to deny your faith in Jesus. There in that room on the mat, Susan stays for three months. Only surviving because her brother is frying up banana on the pan and sliding it under the door pouring water on the ground for her to lap up on the other side. 
After three months, the people in the village finally get it out of her younger brother where she is. They rush into the home and the offices, the security, sorry, of the village, rescue her and bring her to the hospital. There it is that open doors bumps into her and from then on was able to help her recover. See, it took her 12 months to be able to walk again because the bones in her body had started to grow in the shape she was laying on the mat. Her hair had yellowed from the lack of sunlight. But see, when our team met with her, my boss actually asked her and said, Susan, you were alone in this room. Why, why didn't you get up? No one would have seen you. And without missing a beat, she responds and she says, no, no, you don't understand. My dad said, if I get up from the mat, that means I'm not a Christian anymore. See, regardless of what had happened to Susan in that horrible three months by herself, she didn't stop praising Jesus. In fact, whenever she started talking about God and the Bible, her face would light up. Her she had a ruthless determination to praise. She wouldn't stop praising God for no reason. And so this 14-year-old girl has this incredible revelation that Jesus is worth everything, that nothing in this world can compare to a relationship with the creator of the universe. And it's, it's those stories that have moved me for the last 11 years. I was 15 years old when I heard first about the stories of the persecuted church, open doors, came into my church back in Switzerland, where I'm from originally. And I remember hearing the stories of faith of people that had no reason to continue praising God from what they experienced. And it, it was a crucial point in my walk with Jesus when I was 15 to understand there's people that are younger than me that have lost their parents because of their faith, that are not able to go to school and not getting access to medicine simply because they're Christian. And I remember it just did something with me that I'll never forget. And so see, it's stories like Susan's that teach us that a ruthless determination to praise enables you to walk through pains like nothing else. And so that's what I want to focus on. And, and it's the question that comes with it where I'm going to ask myself constantly of what is it that is different when someone becomes a Christian? I believe, of course, that there's an eternity that we're going to spend with God. But what happens today? What changes tomorrow? And I truly believe that one of the biggest things when you become a Christian isn't that your life is going to be perfect. In fact, it's not going to be. It's not that if you become a Christian, everything is going to be easy in life. But what is going to happen is that you're going to have a hope and a peace to walk through life like you wouldn't have with anything else. And that's what we see in the persecuted church. They're forced to rely on God as their last resource, but really it becomes their first resource. There's nothing that they can lean on like the hope of Jesus. And so in my life, I constantly try to take those lessons from the persecuted church and, and adapt them to my life and go, where can I learn from that? Because obviously I have nothing that compares to what Susan went through. But at the moment, I have this little challenge with myself, my wife and I, neither of us are Australians. And so we're on a bridging visa. We've just applied for another visa to stay in the country. And it's a bit uncertain. With the whole uncertainty in the world, the bridging visa situation isn't looking great. But I try to um, make, a, make a challenge for myself and said, regardless of what this visa situation comes or 
is looking like. I want to continue to praise God. If it means that we get to stay in the place that we call home for the last six years, that's awesome. If it means that we have to go someplace where I don't know where it would be, that's all right as well. I want to continue praising God in that. And so it's funny because this story of Susan that before was so distant and unrelated to me, it has now taught me something. And I'm trying to make sure that it continues to teach me something as I walk forward. It's the question of what does our faith look or sound like when we walk through difficulties? When things change, when uncertainties all of a sudden appear, what happens to our faith? And it's in those moments, I believe, the persecuted church is the perfect mentor to our faith because they have learned to walk through trials, continuing to praise Jesus. And so what Open Doors does really around the world is helping people follow Jesus. We do that all over the world, no matter the cost. And so it's really kind of coming alongside Christians in the hardest places where it's the hardest to follow Jesus, making sure that they're able to have food, clothes, if it's Bible training, Alpha courses, marriage courses, whatever it is that the church needs to thrive in the midst of persecution, Open Doors does through local partners. But then on the other hand, we come alongside the local church here in Australia. In times like these, we want to give you encouraging lessons and stories from the persecuted church that enable you to walk confidently with Jesus, that bolden your faith. And so it's this two-way relationship that really Open Doors has been establishing for the last 65 years. You can put it like this, what they, the persecuted church, need, I give. What they learn, I need. It's this two-way relationship, both ways. They need our support. They're relying on us standing up for them. But by doing that, we learn so much from them in return and are able to walk our walk with Jesus so much bolder. See, sometimes this shocks people, but as Open Doors, we're actually not here to end persecution. We're not here to stop it. We're there to make sure that the people that face it can stand in the face of it stronger than ever. You know, in recent years, we probably have tried to stop it. We've helped, we've offered to, to remove people from dangerous places. We've offered to re resettle people from their home to a different place where they're safer. But what the response so often is, is no, 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 we can't leave here because if we leave, who is going to tell these people about Jesus? And so you see, it's the passion of the persecuted church to remain where they are. In fact, they tell us, you know, if we want to stop persecution, we just need to tell people to stop sharing Jesus and it will stop. But that's not the heart of the global church. The heart of the global church is to make sure that the persecutors are experiencing and hearing of the hope and love that Jesus has for them. And so I find myself so incredibly pr privileged to be working for an organization that unifies the global church, make sure that we know what's going on around the world that can strengthen one another to make sure that the world hears the good news of Jesus. And so why don't we quickly look at a passage in the Bible that really just speaks directly into this. Again, you can open it with your Bible with me. I believe your church has an incredible website uh, set up where you can even look up the Bible verse on that screen. It's Acts 16. And I'm, I'm going to read it to you from verse 16. 
Once when we're going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you to the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailers were commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in their stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I read you this long passage because I think it's an incredible story and speaks so powerfully to the fact of having a ruthless determination to praise. See, Paul and Silas were walking the streets of Philippi, really minding their own business, telling people about Jesus. And this woman kept bothering Paul. And I find it fascinating that the, Luke, the author, just kind of passes through this story and goes, oh, Paul turns around, casts a uh, spirit out of this woman, and things go on. I'm like, I probably would have stopped and couldn't believe my eyes. But is that what, the, what Paul and Silas are doing? They're pushing against the evil in the city. They're bringing the good news of Jesus in different forms. And one of them is restoring people to who, who they were created to be. And see, that's what the authorities are not liking at all. They're being beaten. They're being flogged and put in prison. And then we read in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I don't believe they started at midnight. I believe that it was a posture of their heart that they would have started singing in a time of desperation and need. And see, it's most likely not a prison like we can ever imagine it. It's probably a dark hole with no lights and probably smells horrible. And so imagine those two men worshiping Jesus in a cell where they're full of Full of it's full of other prisoners, really. And what we see, what we read is that they're all listening. And so it's this powerful moment going on of people that have no reason to praise God, no reason to be thankful, are praising God regardless. Everyone's listening. And then in verse 26, the second sentence, sentence it says, At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. See, when you have a Determination to praise God regardless of your circumstance is not just you who is, who is affected. In this story, we read it's everyone's chains that came loose. Freedom comes for the people around 
the people of God praising him. And so I find it such an encouraging passage for a time such as this, where the people of God, the church, can be an example of praising God regardless of the circumstances we're in. Having a thankful, grateful attitude towards life changes everything. And it really draws the attention of the people around you in your life. People will start to question you, why are you able to walk like that? Why are you able to respond like that in times of need and desperation? And so it's those stories that really the persecuted church bring to life. Because you see, so often we can read this book and tell ourselves, yeah, we believe it. Oh, it's 2,000, more than 2,000 years old. What do these stories actually have with reality? But you see, it's in those times, and I even doubt, doubt it, that I hear stories from Susan, a 14-year-old girl in Uganda, being able to worship God regardless of her circumstances. And so I truly believe that the persecuted church, a connection with them, almost brings the Bible into a lower level of, of reality, where we actually can grasp what's going on and can hear the stories differently. And so that's really what a partnership with Open Doors does. It brings you closer into what God is doing around the world. See, we're working with over 70 countries around the world, churches all over the globe, making sure that we can continue supporting them. We need your support. When we look at the posture that Paul and Silas had in prison, it was a posture of praise regardless of the circumstance. When we look at Susan, she had a posture of praise regardless of her circumstance. And so, so much of that can teach us in this time, no matter the circumstance, to have a posture of praise. I want to tell you one more story of a pastor in Sri Lanka. You might have heard of the attacks last year around Easter time. One of the churches was Sion Church. He's an associate pastor there. And on Easter Sunday, he, he was talking to a random guy outside the church. He had never seen him before, so he introduced himself and wanted to have a conversation with him. The man seemed standoffish and didn't really want to talk to him. And so because Kumaran had to leave to assist the church of Zion Church, he asked his two senior leaders and friends, Ramesh and Sazi, to look after this man. He leaves the church and five minutes into his drive, he gets a call that he has to come back immediately. There was an accident. There was a bombing happening. So Kumaran runs back, drives back to the church. And when he arrives, he is that. There's been people killed everywhere. That the man that he was talking to just minutes before had detonated a bomb as he walked into the church. He found out that Ramesh and Sazi were the ones that held him back and protected around another 200 people that would have been affected if they wouldn't have stopped him. He praises their action and he says, it's because of them that so many lives were saved. But you see, he says that, at the same time hearing that his son died in the attack. His 12-year-old son had died. And so grieving that loss with his wife and, and the whole congregation, they have a funeral. And what Kumaran responds to the situation is what I want to highlight on. Because what he says is, when I think of what happened to my son, there's pain in my gut. But it's not a question of why it's happened. No, he said, I'm not going to ask that. It's the question of, Lord, how can I pass through this? 
And it's exactly what I've been talking about. That having a determination to praise God regardless of the circumstances we're in enables us to walk through pains that we wouldn't be able to walk through without it. See, persecution doesn't stop around the world just because we're all in isolation. People are not able to get access to medicine or food simply because they're Christians. While in Australia, we have an incredible system and government structure that is able to provide for the people that have losses. Christians in countries where they're not welcome are not having access to medical needs. They're not having access to food. There's lots of pastors that really are needing to meet with their congregation to be able to survive and uh, provide for their families. And so they're not able to do that. And that's what I want to put to you today. You have the chance to partner with Open Doors to make sure that the global church is supported and strengthened around the world. You can subscribe to the Survival of the Persecuted Church for $39 a month. $39 a month enables you to really have a relationship with the global church. It enables Open Doors to come alongside churches all over the world, making sure that they can continue to be the light and hope of Jesus in their communities. But as I said before, it also enables you to be strengthened and encouraged in your faith with Jesus. Stories of Susan and Kumaran are just two examples of hundreds of stories that are out there. People just like you and me trying to follow Jesus the best they can can teach us so much. See, Paul writes in Corinthians that if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. And so it's almost this realization of if the church doesn't help the church, who will? And so in a time of need where we realize that we're maybe in, in, in need more than ever, can you imagine the persecuted church? And so what I want to do today is really encourage you to consider to subscribe to the Survival of the Persecuted Church. Since you're watching on your laptops, you most likely are able to type something in. And so I want you to go to opendoors.org.au forward slash subscribe. There you have the opportunity to become a monthly partner with the ministry. And so while I'll let you do that later, I would love for you to go to the website now and just chat with your partner, with your family, what you're able to do. There's opendoors.org.au forward slash subscribe. I truly believe that you won't regret the sacrifice. It's been one of the greatest privileges for me to partner with Open with the persecuted church like that. It strengthened my faith encouraged me in times of need and given me tools to walk through trials in my life like nothing else. And so pray with me as we close. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you for the ability we have to meet together, to, to worship you together. We're grateful for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your grace, Lord. And we ask that you would be with us in this time that you'd help us to continue to have a ruthless determination to praise you regardless of what's going on around us. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us in this time to be a hope for our neighbors, for the people in our lives, that we would be able to encourage and speak life into people. Lord, I pray for the global church, that you would strengthen it, that you would unify it, and that you would show us here in Australia what we can do to support and strengthen the global church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for having me again. I love you and talk to you soon. Bye. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.